Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of La Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Shu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, how have you been? Well, not too bad, man. Obviously, uh, super fired up. This is officially match week here uh, for Major League Rugby, so it's an exciting time. Uh, had a pretty decent weekend. Um, spent a decent chunk of it playing Rugby 22, so excited that that came out as well. Um, have you have you had a chance to dive into the uh, the newest Rugby video game yet, Stu? I haven't, not as yet. I'm still in the uh, short list of getting a PS5 at some point within the next decade, but when that eventually happens, I'll hopefully be able to play the game. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty relaxed weekend. Obviously, we have MLR coming up next weekend, as well as the Six Nations as yeah. well. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time watching that in front of tv so i decided you know i'm gonna take it nice and easy this weekend <laughs> nice and relaxed nothing See, that can raise my blood pressure too much no so. yeah exactly um and uh, yeah I, you know that's probably a good thought because it's like I've, I've spent all this money on uh rugby 22 now and i'm probably like i probably won't play it until uh july once the uh, mlr season's over now um i did like it though like i haven't played it enough i feel like to comprehensively review it but like, I think like first impression review of it, if you want to hear this or do you want this stuff spoiled? I don't know. Can you spoil video games? Sport video Hell games? No. Like there's a story. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, if there was, that'd be impressive. Yeah. But, uh, well, 2K has like, I think, didn't 2K have a story or whatever? Oh, there's a football game, Blitz the League, that had a story. That yeah. game was psychotic. Um, but uh, my first first impressions and stuff, I think it's a lot funner. Um, is funner a word? Okay. I don't think funner is a word, but it's a word. More now. enjoyable. Yeah, more um, enjoyable. Thank you, the academic scholar that is Stu Hardy. Yeah, it's it's more enjoyable than Rugby 20. It's definitely an improvement in that regard. The gameplay feels a lot better. It feels a lot more like you're actually trying to play like a simulated, like a rugby simulator kind of thing. Like just little details and stuff. Like if you go into a scrum now, you have to actually hook the ball back with your foot. Um, tiny details like that. You have an option too, which I love when they're explaining it in the tutorial. You can put the ball in straight or you can cheat and just throw it straight back. But there's like apparently like some sort of algorithm to determine if you'll actually get called for it or not. So sometimes when you try to cheat, you know, the ref will actually call you for not putting the ball in straight, um, which is super unrealistic because that never happened in an actual game. That's true, yeah. So there is a lot of things. There's a little like you can take your teams and you can do a lot of things like strategy wise with it. Like they have like a whole bunch of different like attacking schemes that you can use. And that like I think there's like four or so uh, like four different versions of like the one three three one attacking structure. And you can slightly modify all four of those to kind of play like how you want. You can modify your defense and stuff, too. Um, even like where you want your fullback to be while they're playing defense, where you want the wingers to be, um, how much pressure you want to put on, things like that. So I think it's a, it's, it's good for like that element. It is actually kind of interesting. Like so I haven't really dove into it too much. Some presentation stuff I feel like is kind of lacking. Like, I mean, you can see online, there's a lot of comments on like the graphics and stuff, which obviously better graphics come with more money right so hopefully if yeah. the league hopefully if the the game is successful right maybe there'll be better graphics but there is certainly stuff like when guys are celebrating after scoring tries like heads are ending up like in like inside arms and um you know things like that are definitely there 
I wouldn't have my biggest criticism of the game just on first impression was, was there's two things. It's like they obviously the lice they didn't have as much licensing as they did with rugby 20. Yeah. But I feel like they should have just there's something called the Premier League in the game. So in the game, you have like the top 14, the pro de de, the United Rugby Championship and something called the Premier League which is just a bunch of fake stand-ins for the premiership teams, yeah. um, which is just kind of feels unnecessary. Like, I feel like I'll never use one of those teams just because it's like, I don't care to play as like, what is it? Like Langhorn Road. I'd rather just like, I think the Saracens are like called London, I think. And then like the Harlequins are like Langhorn Road or something. And the same thing, like there's um, like they have all the international, te- they have some international licenses, but then there's there's fake, there's fake South Africa, there's a fake yeah. England and there's a there's a fake Argentina and a fake USA. Yeah. Right. Which is just kind of like I feel like from a presentation point of view, you might have just been better off to not draw attention to the fact that you're missing all these licenses. Yeah. Right. And then um, there's also like a thing like before every game starts, they do the lineups and you know, I'm like, you know how like on TV it'll show like sometimes or depending on what channel you're watching, but it'll show like the player's face. Yeah. I would say from what I have played, a good 80% of the faces are just generic, like I guess like a blacked out like model of a head. Yeah. Or whatever. In like a mannequin. There's just like a mannequin's head, right? Instead of like an actual picture, but just randomly through the game, like certain players have pictures. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, why? I feel like you would have just been better off not doing like figure out yeah. a different way to display the lineup or something. Um, so that's kind yeah. of weird, but it's weird because it's like they did that for the players faces, but then some of, especially the superstar guys, like the DuPonts and the Barrett's of the world look yeah. like really good as far as like when you see their face, like in the game, um, yeah. like they look really, there's a couple of like the lesser known players that are like, okay, like you cut some corners with, you know, the backup hooker on like pow or something, but yeah. it's uh, yeah. So you kind of have a bit of that, but overall the game's a lot of fun. Like I said, my biggest criticism is just kind of the presentation. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't have, I don't, I feel like I wouldn't have drawn as much attention to the licensing that you didn't yeah. have by putting a whole bunch of fake teams in the game. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, it's a bit good. from going from uh, fictional games to games that actually happened this past weekend, we had. Did they? Did they happen? Well, we only have so much to go off. We had six preseason games, none of which were broadcast by any means, which is especially disappointing because San Diego um, were hosting another game and it was at the same venue. So I don't understand why they just couldn't do the same thing again, but. It is what it is. Um, so this is the thing, though. We were only told that five games were happening, and yet somehow Dallas played Houston, and we've only been able to grab it, thankfully, down to America's Rugby News, who were able to pick up from a couple posts on Dallas's social media. So we all we have from that game is a score and the fact that Henry Trinder and Aimer Oyamonlan scored uh, the tries for the Jackals. That's it. So anyway, with what little knowledge we have, we'll go through the results. So first up was DC versus New England. DC 27, New England 22. 
that was posted on uh, Twitter a lot. I think, and this was something else that I noticed was that DC weren't recording their own scores. They were retweeting someone who was tweeting out the scores whilst watching the game in the si- in the uh, facility. So that's also disappointing. Um, LA actually were keeping up to date with the scores against uh, San Diego, and that was uh, San Diego 21, LA 36. But it was until like the final few minutes, it was San Diego 21, LA 29. And San Diego only scored, I think, like one try in the first half and then just suddenly came back within the final 10 minutes. But it is LA. They'll make sure that they get the win no matter what. Then we had the sudden Dallas-Houston game. Uh, Dallas 12, Houston 29, which may set a precedent for the uh, Texas Cup that will be happening this season. Uh, Then it was Seattle versus Hartford Harpooners. And obviously, one's an MLR team, one's not. So Seattle, runaway victors with a 50-0 scoreline. Then over in the East, we had NOLA, 21 to ATL's 52. And from ARN, this seemed to be a mixture of two halves, more than the same team throughout the game with a few substitutions because they were saying that at halftime it was 21-14 with the gold having a much more experienced starting 15. But then... Switched over in the second half, and it was runaway victory for the Rattlers, who scored 38 points unanswered. But yeah, that's really all the details that they've been able to gather. And finally, um, Austin versus New York. Now, New York scored the first try. So the try scorer for New York was Dylan Fawcett, and the conversion was done by Sam Windsor. So the highest try scorer and the highest point scorer in MLR history lining up to make points. The afternoon didn't really go that well for Rugby New York because Austin then put 58 points against them. Uh, But there has been said that it was a very inexperienced side um, whilst Austin fielded largely a first 15 at that point. Yeah, New York's Twitter account kind of unveiled that they have a lot of players in like COVID isolation right now. Yeah, I think a lot of players, especially like overseas players, have. yeah, doing like isolation until they're ready. But then again, this is preseason. You don't need to go out all guns blazing. Although yeah. seeing LA's starting lineup, if that's not all guns blazing, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not all guns blazing. That's not exactly, their strongest yeah. team. That's absolutely. But that that's the scary thing is like yeah, this. That's, that's not guns. It's like you could list that as a starting fifteen, but because we know LA, it's not a starting fifteen. Yeah, I think. Obviously, Austin, New York. You know, I guess if they, if New York has as many folks in COVID isolation right now, maybe it's a little blessing in disguise that they have the first week by. I remember when the we we had uh, when the schedule first came out. I think we kind of talked about how much that kind of sucks if you have a first week by. But maybe maybe if they're having some issues with uh with some players in COVID isolation and stuff, maybe it's a you know a little bit of a blessing in disguise perhaps for them. Um. It, They'd say one of those tweets, I think, also mentioned Quinn Nawadi potentially left the game with an injury. Um, so hopefully that's no big deal. And hopefully that's I mean, hopefully that's a, like, you know, if a guy even tweaks something, it's a preseason game. There's no point in keeping them out. They haven't really updated that situation um, beyond that tweet. But again, you know, if 
Like, I mean, again, maybe this first week by for New York is, uh, again, a little bit of a blessing in disguise if they have COVID isolation and then guys were going down with some injuries in this game against Austin. Everything else, like, I think, um, yeah, like, I think I just kind of go back to what we said last week in regards to the preseason, right? It's like, it's tough, you know, all, all as always, right? Not every team provided a lineup. I think America's Rugby News has some details on the lineups, though. But, like, not every team necessarily provided the lineup. And then it's, like, even if you see the scoreline in a preseason, but it's a preseason game, so it's, like, it's kind of tough to really judge and dictate and analyze what happened between between the two teams in the game. But, yeah, like you kind of said, though, it's, I think, you know, going back to what we said last week, I, I think the preseason, especially seeing this week play out, too, um, the preseason is an area that the MLR can improve on, I think. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you break it down, ultimately here, we've had, there were six games this weekend. There was what, five games last weekend? Yeah. Yeah. So there's well, been no, there were five planned games, but only three happened. Oh, okay. Well, either way. So like we're at, like, I guess we're at like what, nine game, nine games plus like a scrimmage, I guess. So let's say 10. Yeah. You know, let's maybe ignore the the Houston situation. Let's just count it as a game for the sake of argument. Um, but it's like you had ten, 10 preseason games and probably a couple like scrimmages or intra-squad games that we don't know about either that, you know, uh, that happened over the past two weeks. And we could watch the general public could watch one of them. Yeah. Right. Like that's, you know, like one out of nine, one out of 10, no matter how you want to word that. Like that's that's kind of tough. It's. Um, you know, and like you said, it's like every, and you know, like you said too, right. It's like, you know, one of those games that Dallas Houston game, right. The front, there's a couple of pictures of it. It looked like it was in Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, that's the first game in Dallas, right? Like maybe not the first game. It won't count as the first yeah, game, but it's yeah. like, that's the first look at a, the, the new stadium, the new expansion team in their stadium. Houston, obviously too, we'll get into it a little bit later. Houston's got a little bit of excitement built up for them this year too interesting to see them on the pitch you kind of mentioned the roster that la put out like um not not a hundred percent maybe like 75 80 percent but like still like it's an exciting looking roster that they put up and they're the defending champs you know that this a reason to tune in and then obviously just all the other games just out of general interest and stuff obviously uh you know austin maybe you know it might have been a weekend New York side, but I guess maybe Austin trying to put in a little message of intent um, going into the year too. Um, Seattle, I don't like uh, the Seattle game. I think is also like that's the toughest one to make because it's like, what do you make of a fifty nothing game against a non MLR yeah. team, right? Without being able to see it, like for all we know, like you watch that game, I, I don't, I don't know. For all we know, you could watch that game and be like, oh, that should have been ninety nothing. Like I. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. It's, it's tough to right or, or it, sh- or it could be like, wow, Hartford actually played really good. And that, you know, Seattle got lucky and it probably should have only been 30, nothing like the score doesn't justify how yeah, good Hart- really Hartford hard played. I have no idea. It's just a score. See. Right. Um, there's nothing to really go off of. Um, yeah, there's nothing to really go off of. So I I'll continue to think that this is an area that the league can improve on. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going into obviously week one now, and um, all the games are back on, at least in Canada, where we are, all the games are going to be on the rugby network. And then the arrows are on TSN. So 
um, everything's going to be available now. So it should be a, it should be a lot of fun and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think this is an area that the league can improve on, but with the season coming up, like I'm not, I'm probably not going to think about preseason again until like January. Then we'll, maybe we'll be like, Oh, Hey, hopefully the league can, uh, you know, do preseason a little bit better than last year. Um, just, but you know, I mean, I'm not thinking about preseason anymore. I, as soon as uh, you decide to shift uh, conversational topics here, too. So. All right, then. Well, talking about shifting conversational topics, the Arrows, who were meant to have had another preseason game, unfortunately had to cancel. We've already discussed this, and it's been established. However, there was some news that came out from the Arrows camp, and that is that Jason Higgins will be playing in San Diego Legion this coming season. However, that is part of a trade with the Californian-based franchise. So the Legion have received the services of both Jason Higgins and Pat Lynott, which we mentioned before. In return, the Arrows will receive an increased salary cap space. I think it's a good trade. I think you kind of look at the... The only thing is, is like, I think looking at the depth chart for... Like, looking at the depth chart for the Arrows, at loose head proc, you have Cole Keith, who's probably going to start, possibly. You have uh, Lulani Faleva, who is apparently very good, so maybe challenges Cole Keith. But then you also have Rob Brower, who was an MLR, MLR All-Star two years ago. Two years ago? 2019. What is that? Three years ago? I, I don't understand time anymore. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. So either way, 2019, Rob Brower is an MLR All-Star. So you got three really strong loose head options Right. And it's, you know, maybe, right. Maybe it's, it's a matter of like, you can maybe go out and get line up, maybe a, a, another place where he perhaps has a little bit of a better shot of getting some game time. Although if you kind of look at, at San Diego's depth chart for the loose head props, right. You have Nathan Sylvia, who's pretty good. You have Joe Walsh, who they just signed. They're bringing him over from New Zealand. And you have Lynott, and then you also have Chris Shade that can play hooker and loose head. Um, so Shade's obviously been around MLR for a bit, and he's pretty solid too. San Diego also has some depth at, depth at loose head, so hopefully Lynott's able to get in get into some games. But I think the you know I guess San Diego looks to pick up a little bit of depth at that position. Um, their scrum halves kind of the, the same thing. Like I think. Jason Higgins, it might be a nice move for him because, you know, he's they got Nate Augsburger, who's going to start. Like, obviously, he's going to start, um, especially with Will Hooley being uh, potentially being that 10 there, depending on where they actually want to play Joe Peterson. But I feel like if you have Will Hooley, your move's probably Will Hooley at 10 and Peterson at 15. But yeah, uh, yeah you could go, you could go uh, Augsburger, Hooley, like what, Nanu? It's a fun mm. little. Mid, that's a fun little combination yeah, that, there. That's a good um, combo to have. Yeah, they're not bad, right? So, but I mean, I think Higgins is there. And then obviously they have also have Nico Gilly um as their third scrum half. So I think that's I think that gives a chance for like Higgins to play. I like the move for I like the move for the arrows. Um, they have the depth at scrum half with Brody Ferguson and Brown. So they have the depth at scrum half to make up for Higgins. Higgins' absence. They have the depth that uh, loose head to make up for Lineot's absence. And you get a little more moolah to spend on some big name players that they have acquired over the course of this year. Um, or to use with how 
however they please, right? So that's always good. It's always good to have a little bit of extra space in that salary cap. You never know how the uh, the year's going to play out, right? Again, you know, kudos to you know the teams for actually releasing the full details of the trade too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Still doesn't happen for every single trade, so it's nice to see. Just kind of, I think, looking at the arrows roster uh, this year, man, I I like. I like what they did with it. I think, you know, as we'll kind of get into the season and stuff. I mean, I think one of the, uh, as we talked about, one of the biggest issues was last year with some front row depth. They addressed that and they addressed that to the point where you can trade Pat lineup. Yeah. Right? Like, and it makes sense and it works and you're not even worried about, like, you're not worried about if they traded Pat lineup last year, we would have been panicking. Yeah. Or whatever, right. But it's, um, but now it's but hey, it's 2022 now. And you look at you look at the arrows front row. Like I said, you have Cole Keith, who is, you know, obviously the he's the starting who's, you know, one of the starting props for Canada on on many occasions. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you know, he has got 24 caps. You got Rob Brower, who's in, you know, an MLL MLR. Why is that so hard for me to say right now? It's not like it's the league we do a podcast about every single week, um, but it's the MLR. Um, all-star the last time he played a full season. And and then you obviously have uh, Luani Faleva, who comes over from Hawks Bay. Obviously, a good relationship with the new um, forwards coach, uh, Francisco DeForms. Um, so that's that's also exciting, right? So there, there is that depth. You know, Isaac Salmon coming in, he's strong. He, you know, he tightens up the, the tight head side there. So there's some depth with roll. Uh, there's some depth with Roland, and then two young guys in Warden and Ouellette, Um, You know, f- draft pick, and then obviously, you know, the crossover athlete from Laval, uh, Rouge or football. Um, the other big thing too is I think by picking up Kyle Bailey, that's a big, especially with Deanna gone. Um, that's a big help for like the line out and everything like that, the leadership as well. Um, so I think like. You know, the, the big thing, the, the biggest question to me is obviously Ben Lesage got traded, right? He was phenomenal last year, right? Again, he was a 2021 all-star, right? First team all-star, right? So he got traded for James O'Neill and, you know, for James O'Neill, draft pick and some cash, right? But um, the the guy that's brought in to replace Lesage is Weta Tafaga. And I think that's kind of the one thing I'm I'm really curious to see how that works out this year. If Tafaga can match that intensity that Lesage brought um, last year, then I think like the arrows are all right because everywhere else, everywhere else, there's a lot of depth. So I'm looking looking forward to seeing what Hood Robinson Bartlett can do. Um, and then you know it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they got some options in the back three to see what they do with like the wingers and the fullback, especially a guy like Mirez can kind of bounce around between the two positions. Obviously, Sam Malcolm's coming back too. Um, this team is very the biggest. I think the biggest positive that the Arrows have right now is it kind of returns to what they looked like 2020, right? Because is they look like they might be the deepest team in the league again, right? Which kind of wavered a little bit last year due to some crazy circumstances right but i think they they look like they're kind of back to being potentially that deepest you know that deepest team where again like you know like and i kind of go like you can look at the wingers and stuff and be like john guy like johnny sheridan still there who you know maybe has through the length of his mlr career 
has just been a depth guy, but every game he plays, he's stepped up and actually, and has handled himself quite well. So like, if that's the situation that you're in again, like, I think you're in good shape. So, you know, this is another, uh, I like, so ultimately it's a long, long winded way of saying, I really do like this trade. I like what the arrows have done with the roster and, uh, overall, and I'm excited to see, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll get into the season predictions and stuff a little bit later, but, uh, Excited to see what happens this year. Yeah, a lot to look forward to with the Arrows, especially. I'm going to briefly keep it in Canada. We're going to Rugby Canada. So as we're recording this, it has been announced that Jamie Lovshek has been appointed as the interim CEO for Rugby Canada, which will be effective from February 1st, 2022. Um, As we're recording this on Monday, he is interim CEO from tomorrow. So either way, by the time you're listening to this, he will be the... He'll be interim CEO and, you know, hold that position until the middle of the year, in which case uh, Rugby Canada will have announced their official new CEO to take over. Now, a brief look to the past, because we're going to be looking at the final two episodes of Inside the Scrum. Very fortunate that episode six was able to come out a little bit earlier this evening. So we're able to watch it before recording the podcast. So episodes five and six were looking over the final few games of the 2021 season for the Austin Gilgronies. Episode five set it up to, I believe it would have been week 16. So with only two games left to go for Austin, they were still in the title fight to make it into the playoffs because it was only the top two teams and they were third at that point. However, in episode six, spoiler warning, uh, for a game that happened six months ago, they were up against LA, and it was a case of you know the same old problems coming through, getting into the twenty-two, unable to score, and ultimately their loss to LA, they said was the catalyst for eliminating them from the playoffs and keeping them third. No, in the West, that did eliminate them. Yeah, because uh, Utah won that week too. So that that was that was it. Yeah, that was yeah. But it was it was Utah. It was Utah's win that put them mathematically beyond. Yeah, oh, that was chance. it. No, so, yeah. See, I remember. I remember all these little details that uh, they skim over. I like gotta say, I think my my favorite story element of the last two episodes no. was the Austin Gilgronis doing the mini golf team bonding thing segueing later to when they were in California training and they went to do actual golf and some, someone on um, someone on Austin, I couldn't tell because their head was down wearing a hat and the camera didn't linger on them long enough. Hits like a 70 foot putt. (laughs) So Sam Harris, the mini golf training session earlier in the year, Sam Harris is clearly playing like 40 chess with like the <laughs> training of his team um, in the sense of it's like not only did he make them improve their rugby skills, clearly he's got the whole team working on the golf game with the mini putt because they're just out here sinking 70 foot, like really hard breaking uphill putts when they get to the actual golf course. So whatever they're doing is working. And also how psyched is that Austin player who I still couldn't identify because um, his hat was covering his face the whole time. Um, How psyched was he that he got that putt on camera? Like that, that, that putt is the one that made, made national TV. 
Um, and as opposed to what I'm sure is plenty of other drives that ended up in the Pacific Ocean or something. One thing I really liked from episode six was um, it's between the LA game and the DC game. And it's the coaching staff's doing a interview with the players on the team and saying um, that they want to keep them around or that their time with Austin has come to an end. So um like Rod Waters, for example, I think like so they play they focus on him in episode five, and then they focus on him again in episode six, and saying, and I also like how they said like we're not going to leave you high and dry. We're going to help you out any way we can, whether it's to another MLR team, whether it's to stay in Texas or to go overseas, anything like that. And the there was discussion with one player about do you want. Um, he was asking if it's going to be a trade yeah. or if it's going to be a release. And when he was asked, like, oh, which way do you want to go? And you would think, like, oh, if you want to be in MLR, you can make it a trade. That may make it oh. easier and stuff. But, like, with him giving his reasoning of saying, like, I want a release, I want full control, you can be like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Like and, and, you know, he was, uh, Sam Harris was also saying, like, oh, if you want to, be involved in like the backroom staff, like part of the coaching setup by any way for one of the players. They didn't, um, I didn't get their name, unfortunately, but you know, that it's showing that because this is the problem with like professional sport as in you have to make these difficult decisions of which players are going to stick around and which players you're going to have to leave out. But it, there's obviously like the humanity side of it. I mean, they open every episode by saying that family means everything and they want to treat the ages like a family. And, you know, you support your family in any way and shape you can. So if a player has said, look, I want to still be an MLR. Um, I want to be able to play regularly. Do you think that there's a spot on another team or... I prefer to be with Austin, but if I have to go to another MLR team, I prefer to stay in Texas. And then there's some people who would be like, you know what? The I appreciate my time with the AGs. However, I think my rugby journey is coming to an end for whatever reason, shape or form. It's nice to see that that so this is like the kind of thing you want to see in these type of documentaries, I feel at least, because you can watch the season that's just been and you know, the, like we, we knew how this season was going to end. We knew how this documentary was going to end for the Austin. We knew they were going to finish third. They weren't going to go to the playoffs, but it's all those bits like behind the camera, like um, crazy golf and then putting that 70 meter putt and then going through all like the coaching decisions and things like this. This is the stuff that supplements what you're seeing. And I think it was like great addition to have for the show. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say that's what that was my favorite part of the entire six episode series. Um, it's really fascinating to I think as a sports fan in general, it's just really fascinating to see those conversations to see like you know because it is something tough that we all know happens right in pro sports. Guys get cut all the time. Um, you know, and I think also kind of building it up from a storytelling, like documentary perspective too, 
building it up a little bit in episode five with kind of that look at Roderick Waters and like his family's life. Right. And, you know, his transition from a football player to a rugby player. And it kind of builds up to him kind of getting told he's not coming back next year. Um, right. Which makes that scene when Sam Harris is telling him he's not coming back um, kind of hit home a little bit harder emotionally because they spent the time in the previous episode making you care about Roger Waters. Right. Um, so I thought that was that was kind of well done. Um, very interesting to see like those conversations, because I think, you know, no matter how big of a fan you are, how closely tied to the team that you are, how much you may know about like your team like that is something that you never get to see and that is the exact type of thing that makes these documentary series whether it's inside the scrum or like drive to survive or the 24 7 hbo 24 7 docs or you know um all or nothing it's like the things that make the documentaries work are showing fans the bits and pieces of the things that they never get to see and I thought showing these conversations that Sam Harris was having with the players at the end of the year, um, you know, even like, you know, telling guys that like the plans for next year, some guys, you know, get the, the devastating news um, that, you know, they weren't coming back next year. Some guys, you know, with tears of joy, finding out that they're going to be back next year and they're getting like another contract offer, a contract extension or, um, and, like that kind of stuff is what makes these shows right. And it's like, I think episode six, having that full scene with the exit interviews was the best part of the entire six episode documentary um, because it, it really, it kind of showed why these things work really well, like why these documentary series work really well, like why fans love them because you get that inside access to something that, like you would never see and quite frankly like i mean i'm sure there was a plenty of stuff that was said in those interviews that wasn't put in the show um but it's like you never get to see any of that so i thought that was really i thought that was really well done um over, and um you know just i guess as a general thought on the series overall i really liked it as a whole um i i really liked it i hope that they're doing it again I hope they continue to do it. I mean, maybe pick a different team for this year. Or, I mean, even if you don't pick a different team, like it might be fun to just be like, all right, let's see like how Austin kind of, you know, whatever happens this year, let's see how, you know, the story continues with the Austin Gilgronies if they don't. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know, maybe pick a different team. But I think uh, like whatever they end up doing, I think this is a thing that the MLR should definitely keep doing. Um, it was quite enjoyable. And I'm sure like, you know, as, as time goes on and stuff too, like, it's like, I think as time can go on, I think like it can still get better, but I think like the first, their first kind of go around of creating a document, a documentary series with the Austin Gilgronies, I think it was great. Like I was thoroughly entertained by it. Um, and like I said, like this, um, the last episode's my favorite one, just because of that, uh, that exit interview scene was fascinating to watch really right we're going to move on to a bit of mlr and actually rugby in general news a big announcement that happened this week and of course it's la with uh making the big moves especially just as season is about to begin mm. is that mr matt Gitau has decided to hold off retirement for one more year again and will be playing another season 
with LA. Now he says that this is his final, final season, but we've heard this line before. So we're not 100% sure about it, but obviously having Gitao back in MLR, very positive, happy to see what he can do. It's gross. It's not fair. Of course, it's not fair. Yeah. It's LA. What do you expect? (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, like if you go back to to last year, I mean we've brought up the All Star team a couple times already, but like mm. the All Star back line, the first team All Star back line was Goddard, Getao, Meeks, Lesage, Vandermerver, Dominguez, and Teo, and all four of the Guiltini guys came back, and they have Lesage. Yeah. So, um, it's not it's not fair. It's it's, 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 it's not na- it's nasty, and it's like. The guys that back them up too, it's like the back, like if Giddo doesn't play, it's Cardi. Like, yeah. It's like, that's fine. Like if Lesage doesn't play, it's like what, Will Chambers. Like yeah. Will, Cha- Will Chambers is your like third best center option on your team. Like it's, 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 it's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, If you kind of throw in uh, Dominguez there, you have almost all the backline plays for Adam Gilchrist, mm, except for Mike Taylor. Mikey Teo is the only guy from the back line of the first team all-star that does not currently play for Adam Gilchrist. For now. <laughs> for now. Uh, All right, we got some we got some other news now, this time coming from the Atlantic Coast, and that is Rugby New York have announced where they will be playing their home games for the 2022 season, which will be JFK Stadium in Hoboken and you know, from what they've described, it's got good transport links, so it's easy for people in Manhattan to get to. It's in New Jersey, but then again, having a New York team in New Jersey is nothing new these days. I mean, look at Red Bull New York, the Jets, the Giants. I was going to say, you know. these days, I think the Jets and the Giants have been in New Jersey forever. <laughs> exactly. I, was just, I don't even, I, I don't know, I could be wrong. My football history is not that good, but I don't remember them ever actually playing in New York, at least in my lifetime. I could be wrong, though. I'm not sure. All right. Well, I've got a bit of uh, disheartening news to uh, relate to you, and this comes from Rugby ATL's Twitter account. So on January 20th, 2022, Rugby ATL announced that one of its players was suspended by the league for alleged violations of the personal conduct policy. The league has concluded its investigation and has terminated the contract. Jeremy Misalegu. So Misalegu will not be taking part in Major League Rugby this season. So, you know, it's not been the not been the best. uh, No, yeah, a little for ATL to put it lightly. Yeah, very dysfunctional kind of run up to the the season here. Um, MLR Rugby ATL doesn't go into details of what um, Misalegu did, but obviously it's not good if they uh, terminated yeah. his contract so um but it's uh that that's tough man that's or that's a, that's a big loss for rugby atl too like i mean even just kind of looking at it like he was outstanding last year um yeah. for rugby atl like, he's a big reason why they they won or they won the eastern conference they got the, the like their eastern conference champions a lot of that is because of the season that um, Misalegu had like he was he was outstanding, right? It's that's I think that's a big that's a big loss kind of going into it, and it's like yeah, this very bizarre situation kind of all around in Atlanta seems like just a lot of a lot of off off field issues kind of going into the season here. We are finally here. We are 
days away from the start of the 2022 Major League Rugby season. Whoa, match so, week. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot to talk about, but we're going to focus on the most important players in the league, and that is the Canadian players. Now, obviously, we've talked about uh, the Toronto Arrows ad infinitum, but let's talk about the Canadian players that are playing south of the border this season and how they're going to be helping their teams out. So do you want to start in the east or do you want to start in the west? Oh, we can start west. We'll start west. Uh, Yeah, because, I mean, then the east, we can finish up with, uh, you know, the arrows and stuff. Um, Yeah, so, again, it's a... Another season um, where there is Canadian players on every single team in Major League Rugby. Um, By my count, we got 29 guys across the 12 American teams in the league. Um, So kind of in, um, so you got Austin, we have Cole Davis in Austin. Um, Obviously, you know, Davis played there all last year as well. Um, He might be uh in tough for some starting time obviously because you know connor mooneyham also plays there on the wing and they picked up you know one of the biggest things that with austin um that you know like we said was highlighted during the the season or during the inside the scrum uh, their inability to score um so they beefed up some scoring talent they picked up uh marcel brocky they picked up marco keefe and they also picked up Julian um, Dominguez from NOLA. Um, so between Dominguez and Mooneyham, Davis um, Davis might be uh, might be in tough for uh, picking up some starting time there. Um, moving to staying in Texas, because as fun as this league is, it's kind of weird how alphabetically the first three teams are all in Texas. Um, right, so... You know, up first, um, so sticking in with Dallas, you got Liam Murray and Mo Abdelmanum, um, right? Like, you know, so yeah, obviously Dallas expansion team. Um, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they do this year. I think like expansion teams have traditionally done pretty well in their first years in this league. Um, yeah, yeah, Toronto and New York made the playoffs in their first year. Um, you had LA obviously win a championship in their first year. Um, you have rugby atl got to the eastern conference final or sorry one where sorry were the eastern conference champions in their first year or their first full year i should say yeah um kind of tough to really judge anything based off 2020 um so yeah. their first full year i guess but i guess rugby atl is not really a true expansion team for 2021 but um like there there is a precedent i guess for success for expansion teams but i I feel like that might be running out just as there's more teams, there's more leagues. Um, there's more, the, the player pool is getting thinner, right? Um, so Liam Murray, um, so he can kind of play on both sides of the scrum, which is, I think, a very useful and versatile thing for the um, Dallas Jackals. You know, hopefully he's able to kind of mix in some play time. Uh, that'll be uh, interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, Mo Abdelmanum. Looking at the flankers that are on Dallas, um, uh, McKill, Gentry, Bronson Tellis, Amir, um, OAM, Honolin, um, they, you know, Abdelmanum should start. Like, I think, you know, like even, um, like even looking at their eights too, like he, sh- I, I think he should start. Like, you know, like put him in the seven jersey, let him, like, put him in the seven jersey and just let him get every single ball back for you. 
Um, yeah. You know, he is like, you know, I mean, your team's called the Jackals. This guy yeah, he is a Jack. Yeah, he, he literally is the Jackal. Like, that's exactly what he is. Um, he is the, like the team. It should be might as well just be named after him. Um, so I, I think that's an exciting prospect for him. Houston, um, you know, Houston, obviously, um, man, this is going to be a fascinating team, I think, going into this year. Um, so obviously, um, Robbie Povey, fullback, fly half, um, probably benefits a little bit from the fact that Sam Windsor is now in New York as far as fly half or potential fly half time. However, because we're talking about the Houston Spring Box. Um, David Coatser and Kian Meaden have been brought over. They're both um, South. They're both South Africa under twenty players, um, right? So, and um, so like, there's there's definitely probably some talent, um, you know, with that. Obviously, there's been a massive influx of South Africans into this squad. Um, Povey, though, it'll be kind of interesting. Povey's one of the few guys that actually st- stuck around. Um, to stay in Houston. So this team, this team's going to be fascinating to me just because like they're basically an expansion team just yeah. because like so few guys are, ha- have actually, you know, have, were actually on this team before um, n- completely new coaching staff, completely new management, completely new player personnel um, for the most part. So it'll be interesting to see. It's just the only thing is, is like when you look at that logo, all you see is losing. But I guess, oh, but hopefully they can turn that around this year. I was going to say, now, now moving on to, I guess, the unofficial favorite, um, new favorite Canadian American team. Um, the LA Guiltinis have six Canadians, which is by far the most of any team in MLR. Um, right. Canadian slash Canadian eligible players. So a lot of them are new to the squad too. So they picked up Justice Sears Duru. Um, they picked up Ben Lesage, obviously. And um, they picked up a Canadian eligible um, Australian, um, Les Lualahe Mackin. Um, so he played for like the Brumbies and Super Rugby. So he's coming over. Um, the press release for the Guiltini said that he's Canadian eligible. So Sears Duru. Um, definitely has the most international experience of all, all of the loose heads. Now you can technically, I guess, with, uh, less, um, Lindsay Stevens and, um, Sears Duru, you can run an all Canadian front row in theory. Um, if they so chose, that could be interesting. Um, Corey Thomas obviously is going to be back. Um, he, he was phenomenal last year and earned a spot on the Canadian national team. And, um, you know, hopefully looks to build off of that because he was probably one of the best players for the, the team during the, the test tours um, this past year. Um, the the fun, I think the fun of this is going to probably in the back line. So you got DTH, one of the best, arguably the best Canadian player possibly ever. He's in the conversation, maybe, um, you know, one of one of the best there. And then you have Ben Lesage who was phenomenal for the arrows last year. Um, both of them, as we mentioned earlier, all-star teams, that's going to be a crazy, crazy backline in LA. Quite frankly, if this team doesn't go like 14 and two, they should be ashamed of themselves. Um, like it's, yeah, it's like, they're going to be nuts. Um, you know, continuing, we already kind of talked about San Diego a little bit, obviously um, they got, 
Um, Pat Lynott, Jason Higgins just announced through that trade. Um, they also have Michael Smith and uh, Josh Thiel. Um, you know, so Smith, obviously, he benefited a lot last year. Um, a couple injuries, you know, he, he s- didn't start that many games, but then he had a couple injury, a couple injuries to the teams and a couple injuries within the, the back row of San Diego. And he kind of took the opportunities and ran with it. So that was a, um, he had a great little breakout season last year. Um, the back row for San Diego continues to be great though. So, um, you know, it's a good opportunity for him, but he's definitely going to have to work for, uh, for this, you know, the starting Jersey. Um, obviously you, you already have Dan Pryor, Chris Robshaw there, you know, like it's already loaded, right? Like you could already start Robshaw and Pryor and Smith's already on the bench, not even taking into consideration the other players that are on the, that are still on that. It's a very deep back row um, for, for San Diego as well. Um, Smith can definitely, you know, pull his weight and play in that group, but you know, he's also probably going to have to earn it. So interesting to see how that goes. Um, we talked about Lynott and Higgins already. Um, feel um, just learn every single thing you possibly can from Mananu. And if you get to play, hopefully it's with Mananu because he's probably going to make you look really, really, really good. Um, they also have Tion Lutz, um, Thomas Moriani. Um, so they, they got some good centers in San Diego too. Uh, Mananu, though, is obviously just a completely different beast on his own. Um, so that'll be, that should be fun for, uh, for Thiel to, uh, for uh, Josh Thiel to learn from. Um, and then finally, you got Seattle, who you know, was, I guess, the former, like, Canada's favorite American team. Um, lots of guys not coming back, though, when they're down to um, just kind of having three Canadians, Nakai Penny, Travis Larson, Reed Watkins at scrum half, right? So um, the back – so obviously a bit of a Canadian presence in the back row. Um, you probably – I mean, Pen- Penny and Larson. I think the biggest thing is, like, Larson – um, obviously has um, Reichert Hatting to contend with at um, at number eight, um, but he was also fantastic last year. So, um, you know, in the few games after he got traded from San Diego, right? So, um, you know, hopefully that looks good for him. Reed Watkins, um, he really just has J.P. Smith to contend with for any, you know, um, starting and playing time as a, a scrum half. So, um yeah, so that kind of that pretty much sums up the uh, the Canadians in the uh, the Western Conference. Um, any any thoughts, comments, Stu? Any anybody you're excited for? Anybody uh, that you you know you're kind of hopeful going into 2022? So you're talking about the Canadians in the West, but you've missed out Utah. Oh, I did miss and out Utah. Wow. So right. I will take it yeah, from okay, here. You can do Utah. Wow. All right. I can't. Okay. So I can't, I'm again, there's only. I'm so sorry, Emerson, but Utah can go. Okay. So Emerson Pryor, one of the um, draft picks for 2022, is now listed in the squad. Um, and say Utah, you know, they were second in the Western Conference last year. You know, a fantastic uh, pairing of Mikey Teow and Mika Kruse. You know, I think. I've said like Mika Cruze being um, transferred over to uh, Utah was probably the best thing to ever happen to him. You know, that fantastic uh, wing and fullback yeah. partnership just worked wonders. Um, you know, we have Olive Khalifi, 
who you know won yeah, that's the a, that's a big man to contend with for starting exactly off. yeah so definitely lots to um so that's why because you have if you look at the um props that are listed three of them are u.s eagles what like so yeah the i mean the loose head props are well emerson Pryor, who yeah. from our point of view is clearly the best yes. without a doubt Yes, of course. We've established this. Multiple complete, complete unbiased opinion. Clearly the best. Yeah. But, you do but that's it. the thing. We're, we're not the selectors. That's the problem. Yeah, so. exactly. Brennan Sparks knows. That's why he drafted him. Exactly. He drafted yeah. him for a reason. Um, but, that's the, but that's the thing. Either way, you're, you've are you got yeah. three players in three props that have international experience you, and will be able there to um, be the yeah. litmus test. There's some good props Emerson to learn can from. Put himself against. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's definitely some good props to learn from. The loose head props are all of Khalifi and Franco Vandenberg, though. So, um, yeah, that's, those are some dudes to compete with some playing time for. So, um, I'm looking forward to see what he does, though, man. I'm really excited about Emerson Pryor. Um, like, yeah, just as like a prospect and stuff. Um, obviously Dan loves him because, uh, you know, our former, former co-host Dan absolutely loves him because he went to Trent. So, yeah, um, well, uh, yeah, all the, uh, all the Peterborough lads kind of sticking together. Um, absolutely, absolutely. but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him. Uh, I can't believe I'm so bad at geography now that I forgot Utah's in the Western conference, but you know, thanks for all calling right. me out on that, Stu. All right. So we're also we're now going to move over to the Eastern teams. So we're going to start with the New England Free Jacks, and they have three Canadians in their squad. Announced that it's Foster DeWitt as a hooker, Regan O'Gorman as a lock, and of course, there's Captain Canuck, Josh Larson himself. You know, so you now got Regan O'Gorman not only uh, joining him as a, another lock, but also joining the sole Canadian for the New England Free Jacks last year as well. So, you know, Canadian company in the second row, and obviously Foster DeWitt. Uh, capped hooker for Canada as well. You know, Dougie Fife, he's back for another season. He was, you know, a huge fan favorite, as was uh, co-captain Bowden Walker in up fly half as well. But, you know, there's great selection to have here. Lots of um, influence from New Zealand, obviously. I've just mentioned Bowden Walker, for example. Yeah. Slay McDowell as well. Joe Johnson, who, whilst is uh, from New Zealand, is qualified to play for the United States. Um, Alex Johnson as well. Again, a prop who is from New Zealand, but is eligible for the Eagles as well. So, you know, they made some good choices. I think uh, New England, you know, obviously they had um, very much home advantage whenever they were playing. They have now changed uh, locations as well. So it'd be interesting to see how they play out at Veterans Memorial Stadium. Um, got a new coaching staff too, though, right? So there's uh, there's a lot of, a lot of, changes but hopefully for the positive thing i like the squad overall um yeah. like it says it's cool to see uh the new england picking up some more canadians be fun to see a uh get an all canadian engine room going with larson and o'gorman and then um yeah which i mean hopefully is a possibility that could be fun um they do have a lot of hookers just like in number um which yeah, um, they got full yeah, which which that's that's a lot. But seeing, seeing as only one of them, to my knowledge, has international experience, Foster DeWitt should be, you know, the starting. Yeah, the other two are from. Choice. Yeah, then they also have guys from New Zealand and South Africa. So it's. it's that's, yeah, but yeah. you're forgetting that one of them's a Canadian, so he's obviously a first. Oh, yeah, the Canadian players. Are well, in our, in, our, in our book, at least. At least. Yeah. Well, so you that, know, we can't. Well, I think, for, I think DeWitt's another guy though too. That's like, yo, it's he's an exciting front row prospect for Canada. 
Yeah. And like you said, he's already, he's already got a cap under his belt and like, hopefully it's an opportunity for him to play and, you know, earn more caps come um, yeah. the next test window. Um, whenever, you know, Canada gets, whenever Canadian jerseys are back on the pitch. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of a capped hooker playing for a U.S. team, we're now moved to uh, New Orleans because we're talking about Eric Howard is the uh, capped hooker, um, capped Canadian for uh, the Nola Gold. There's also uh, Lockie Kratz as well, who had a phenomenal 2021 coming in for Nola Gold and then being selected to play for Canada in uh, Europe and in the American series. That is also a lot of um, big names as well. There's Devro Ferris, mm-hmm. scrum half for the US. Damien Stevens, a scrum half in Namibia as well. So I think that'll be another close contest to see how they come out for scrum half. I mean, there's also Christian Alvarez. So those three will be definitely interesting to see. Yeah. Um, you know, some departures. We've always said uh, Julian Dominguez, who was, you know, big fan favorite from Nola Gold, from what I gather, is now over in Austin as well. But there's obviously... Um, the gamesman captain as well, uh, Cam Dolan, leading the uh, gold again. You know, gold have always been one of those teams where either everything goes right or nothing goes right. <laughs> so they, anytime you think that, oh, wow, these guys are definitely going to be making the playoffs, they suddenly go on a three-match losing run and it's all yeah, uh, I mean, over before it ever begins. It's it's really weird to place no gold and it's fun because because they're such a quality team and yet the same because and yeah it's so annoying because it's to date the only team that uh the arrows have a continual losing record against (laughs) yeah well i think like it's kind of fascinating though because it's like obviously like nola lost some big names or whatever you mentioned like holden Younggertz uh headed out to new england um julian dominguez obviously we already mentioned him in austin um, Kyle Bailey um, went to Toronto um, yeah. in a trade that certainly favored Toronto. Um, so that's that was another big move too. But they also like, but they've also brought in um, some big names too, like Aaron Matthews, Harley Wheeler, and they're getting back guys like JP Eloff and Robbie Coleman that missed pretty much, pretty much, or all of the entire season last year. Right. Yeah. So it's like that's kind of like a in a weird way, like a new addition, like even though it's not really a new addition, but you know, help if they're healthy, that's a big boost to them too. Um, kind of a fascinating team. Um, Eric Howard kind of last year, he kind of bounced between starting and not starting with Pat O'Toole. That's probably not going to change this year. Um, right. Uh, especially since O'Toole was outstanding last year too. Um, Lockie Kratz. I mean, he, you know, so he's he's going to have some competition too, because obviously they you know all the players like JP two plus C, Juan Capiello that were already there last year. Aaron Aaron Matthews kind of added into the mix, so that'll be a you know a fun little competition for him to deal with this year as well. All right, heading to the nation's capital of DC. There's still three Canadians, but obviously, uh, but obviously Kieran Hearn has retired now, so replacing him. In the Canadian embassy is Jake Ilnicki from uh, Seattle. So, you know, you got Jake Ilnicki, a Canadian prop, and you have Luke Campbell from uh, the back row. And as well, you have Doug Fraser, who, you know, I think he should be one of the guys that's starting. You know, he's been playing center and wing over 2020 and 2021, mm-hmm. mainly more in center now over the last season. And, you know, as in, the current captain is Threaten Palamo. 
and you know he's a stalwart for the United States and has been for many a year but I think it's like Doug Fraser's time now you know Fraser was captain during the preseason maybe that's showing that he has the respect of like the higher ups within and the coaching staff within um old glory so it'd be great to see that as well you got some big names you know Jamison Fernando Schultz I've already mes- mentioned uh Threat and Palamo you got Danny Tusatala who was you know really on fire at the start of the season last year like we were raving about his performances um Mike DeBollis at fullback as well. Robert uh, Tanana as well. Um, you know, there's a long list of um, names. And those, these are just the names that the unfortunate, were playing last year. I was going to say, the unfortunate thing for Old Glory, though, is the list of names that's departing is longer and heavier and weighs a lot heavier. Their entire starting front row is gone. Mungo Mason is gone. True, yeah. Jason Robertson's gone. Um, the biggest question is going to be if they did enough to replace that and i mean uh to be honest i'm not sure if they did yeah well they obviously finished fifth in the east last year but they'll obviously be uh, striving to get further up the uh yeah. pole um now we're going ahead to uh see so nice they named it twice new york new york where we have two canadians this time around uh joining quinn nawadi at center is Andrew Coe from the Sevens joining him on the wing. Uh, but you know, we've also got some big names here for the United States as well. We've got Benjamin Bernasso, we've got Dylan Fawcett, we've got uh, Chance Wengaluski, and then we also have like big names from overseas as well. We've got obviously got Andy Ellis who's coming back for another season. Uh, we've got Sam Windsor, you know, MLR all star, definitely. Um, Ed Fido on the wing as well. Um, yeah, so, and, you know, there's obviously some other Kiwis there, Brendan O'Connor, Cara Pryor. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of the squad, man. Like, the wingers on this team are s- stacked with yeah. uh, Cole Fidow and Thakabalavu. Like, that's unreal um, on the wing. Um, this team this team looks, looks nasty. And obviously having Sam Windsor joining, you know, the highest point scorer in MLR history. So obviously, yeah, yeah, exactly. So they got. So I guess is that the, is that going to be the nine ten? Then I guess you go Ellis Windsor. Ellis Windsor, bad. bad. Well, you bad. you never know. But, well, I mean, they got them. Have, I mean, I think even like you look at their pack too. Like you obviously, I mean, you add Chance Wingluski, you add Wingluski, Fawcett, um, to, uh, Zach Talafu as a potential. I guess starting front row, yeah, Wilton Raballo still there. All th- they have three tight head props that are all capped. Yeah. Like the, their entire, so they have a uh, Wilton Rabalu from capped by Brazil, Zach Talafu capped by Samoa and Kololo uh, Tiloma capped by Samoa as well. So their entire, all three of their tight head props have been capped. Um, you got Wengluski, you have Nick Mayhew coming over from New Zealand. Um, Dylan Fawcett, if you haven't heard of him, he's pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. So, like, yeah. And then, like, I mean, you still got Brakely and Savetta. Like, it's like, I mean, on paper, this team's nasty. Nice. Yeah. Gross on paper. So, that'll be a, it's going to be something, man. Cause, phew. and then we've got uh, Quinn Nawadi, obviously, being in the center, too. Is and then we got finishing point. off the east, we've got uh rugby ATL. Now we obviously have another. Canadian captain in Matt Heaton, 
leading in the yeah. back row, and he's also joined by Connor Keats. But again, this is a team with only two Canadians in it, so this is probably the reason why they're downfall um, <laughs> during the down. season. Yeah. Not enough Canadians, not enough Canadians holding the floor together. But yeah. you know that they've had um, some significant uh, name departures mm-hmm. as well. But they've still got some. They got Kurt Coleman, then fly half. They got Ryan Nell, um, center. As we mentioned, uh, do like Jeremy Misselagu, like that's a big loss right before. We also have uh, Mr. Motorbike, Harley Davidson, back on the wing, obviously after his um, nasty injury spell during the start of last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Marco Jans van Rensburg, a great hooker, I think... irritatingly to yeah. uh, see. Um, then you've also got things like Jason Dahm, Ross Deacon, Damon Torres, good. Roman Garus. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're still, still great names. And like, despite everything that's happened in the preseason, Rugby ATL is still, you know, the guys with the target on their back. They're still the uh, team that you're looking to beat. And then, of course, we finish off heading to the Great White North. And, ah, oh, look at all those Canadians in yeah. the Arrow squad. Yeah, just but that's point. it. We yeah, thir- now 31, this is the thing. 31 Canadians by my count. So Yeah, so, but then again, we've also got, like, the non-Canadians that are coming through. So... Faleva and Salmon as well. Yeah. Um, Fuga, But then we've also got like the stalwarts. We've got Gaston Mirez. We've got Tomo De La Vega. And of course, we have the return of Sam Malcolm that uh, a lot of Arrow fans will be great to Very see again. excited about. Yeah, like I said, kind of maybe a little bit earlier, um, I love the depth in the front row, um, bringing in guys like Faleva and um, Salmon. A um, couple draft picks in the front row too. Um, I think that's that's really going to help. That like I think looking at this squad, they addressed the holes that needed to be addressed. Um, there'll be definitely certainly some competitions for spots. Um, the back row is l- absolutely loaded. Um, yeah, it's probably the arrows back row might be individually like there's six through seven might be the deepest position on any team in the mm-hmm. league um, for both talent and just sheer numbers as well. Yeah. Um, Obviously, yeah, like, I mean, the big loss and the, the big loss is Diana, um, but like Vicolani, um, Vicolani, Vicolani and Foley um, should be able to, I mean, one of them is going to have to kind of put their hand up as like the starter, obviously, um, but it's, you know, they should be able to, you know, it's going to be tough to maybe match Deanna's work rate and his ball carrying, but I think they got the style, especially uh, Siaki, I think definitely has the, uh, the style of play that yeah. hopefully he can bring that to it. Um, yeah. Like if you can kind of roll, I, I think you're probably like, even if you roll like Della Vega, Rumball, Vicolani as you're starting, and then you can have like, I mean, if you did that, like you can still have like O'Neill, not flesh Wainwright, um, Vicolani and the other Vicolani and uh, Foley on the bench. Like you're kind of spoiled for choice there, right? So, um, you know, tough decisions to be made, but definitely. But, the, but these are the tough decisions. Yeah, I was going to say, tough, yeah, tough decisions to be made. But uh, if you're uh, Francisco DeFormes and Peter Smith and whoever else is going to, Mark Winnaker, whoever else is going to have a say in that lineup, it's a good problem to have. Um, I would say probably Brody is probably going to continue to start over Ferguson. Um, mm-hmm. Cole Brown maybe gets Cole Brown obviously going to get opportunities if uh, guys get injured or you know anything happens during the season. I think like who who do you want as the fly half on the arrows? Like what do you think? Well, this is well, this is the Cole... thing. Remember back in uh, 2020 when we had Taylor Adams and Sam Malcolm, mm-hmm. so we had two basically fly halves playing 
at the same time, but one of them yeah. was just described as a fullback. I, th- I think the same thing. Have Sam Elkham move to fullback, and then I would say have Will Kelly start because I think Kelly just needs more game time in general. And then you have, and then you have like Spanish captain Andrew Norton able to like come in, see the game out, and then, and then you can obviously, obviously, if you need to make, uh, and then if there's an injury or something, you can have maybe cool. Malcolm move into. Fly half and move around. Yeah, if you did that, and then if you do that, then it's obviously if you if you say started Kelly or Norton and put Malcolm at fly half, that obviously pushes Mirez to the wing. Um, which again, there's plenty of options out on the wing now too. Which I mean, you probably like you know Matthew Hood looked pretty good um, in the uh, the exhibition game, the preseason game. So maybe you go yeah. with like Hood. You got Robinson Bart, uh, Denon Robinson Bartlett. Um, as well. So, you know, maybe you kind of do that, but it's, I, I think the thing that I would kind of look at though, and like, so, I mean, you have, if you kind of did that, but I'm like, I'm tempted to go, I, I, I don't know. I'd be, I'm interested to see what Peter Smith ultimately decides when we get the, um, the first lineup. Um, but I'm kind of, I would be tempted to kind of go Malcolm 10 Mirez fullback. And then you can kind of, you know, let two of those wingers kind of run loose or whatever. Um, okay. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think you have options there. I don't think one is necessarily wrong, right or wrong. I just think, I think there's options. And again, options are a good thing, right? It's part of, it's a big strength of this team that they have these kind of options, you know, centers, like I said, I think be, just based on the fact that you gave up Ben Lesage and like Tafuga is, Seems to be the guy that's going to replace him. You probably go Spencer Jones and Tafuga as your as your centers, maybe. Um, but again, like you're kind of spoiled for choice there too. I've always I've, I'm a big Mitch Richardson guy. I think he's kind of waiting for a little bit of a breakout to happen. And um, Giuseppe Tua obviously capable. Kobe Fost handled himself quite well last year too. So there's depth. I think the biggest strength of this team is that like there's depth all across the board right now. So I think that'll be a, a big factor for. Um, their success this year. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of successes, I'm just going to let you know, who do you think is going to make the playoffs? So that's first, second, and third for the West and for the East. So we'll start, we started with the West, so we'll continue with starting for the West. Okay. Like I said, when we were kind of going through the teams, honestly, like if LA doesn't finish like 14 and two, they should be ashamed of themselves. Um, those two, lo- uh, one of those losses is obviously going to be Toronto. Um, and then, um, the other loss will probably be like something weird. I don't know. Dallas. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something bet on that one? Give me the cool bet odds for that one. Um, (laughs) either way. Uh, yeah. So I'm saying LA is going to, I'm going to say LA is first. They should be first. Um, the thing is, it's just like, I think, I think Dallas is going to go last. I think Dallas will end up being at the bottom of the table. Um, I'm, I'm only interested in first, second, and third, man. We're only talking about playoffs here. Only talking about playoffs? All right. I'm going to say, here's the my thing is, I think Austin, I like, we always talked about how Austin couldn't score, and they went out this, off, right, they had a great defense, they couldn't score, they went out this offseason, they got guys that can score. Yeah. So I'm saying, I'm going to say LA, Austin, I think my last one, I like... Just I I like San Diego. 
I feel like Nanu too, if he plays a lot of the season, is that is a major X factor because he is so much. Even seeing him in 2020, he is so much better than every other player in the league. Um, and I think that is a nasty X factor. They have a solid team throughout, and you know they kind of they kind of struggled a little bit too at the start of their season, kind of just bouncing around home stadiums. Not nowhere near as bad as the situation Toronto had to deal with, but it looks like that kind of affected them too. I know they got a new stadium. It's not Torero, but it's like, you know, at least they're at home, um, can be in front of their home crowd and stuff too. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling, I'm feeling San Diego. Just, I don't know. And, and I know that means that um, Utah's not making the playoffs, which I don't necessarily feel completely comfortable saying. I also don't want to say the same three teams that finished top three last year because that is boring. Um, so I'll, go, I'll take San Diego to kind of maybe usurp Utah in the playoff spot. But I feel bad about saying that because Utah is fun. So I'm sure that'll bite me later this year. Okay, so I'm going to say I'm going to agree with you. I think LA is still going to be the powerhouses they were in 2021. So they're finishing first. I'm going to say the Legion will be finishing second. Ooh, all right. And I think uh, it'll be Austin that finishes. So it will be the same three teams, but in a different order. I think the uh, playoff for the West will be at uh, SDSU Sports Deck and not Boulder Stadium. But I feel bad for for Utah now because it's like I don't. Well, think that, well that's the bad. thing. We we did say that Utah have a lot of name big names yeah i don't think i don't think utah's a bad team i think it's tight i mean i I mean they're so bad you forgot they were still in the west oh yeah no okay maybe 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 i should make it up to utah that's my whole thing is i think the top four in this is going to be la san diego austin and utah and yeah like if i like if you're making me predict i might say san diego to might make i'll say san diego will make it but i'm not going to be shocked or surprised if utah makes it at all like, yeah, right. That it's makes just, sense. Yeah. All right. So we've done the West. Now we're doing the East. So I think we're both in agreement that Toronto will be finishing top of the East. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would say that. And that's like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, even like looking at it from like, like just kind of put the heart aside, right? The, the unbiased fan thing. And it's like, it's everything that, we just kind of said it's like their roster is so deep and well balanced. You know, they obviously have the continuity. Um, I think the home games are going to be such a big boost for the team. Like, I mean, even like even as as weird as it is to kind of look back on and think about it, even Canada didn't lose in Canada last year. That is true. right. Like it's you know what I mean. Play. I, I mean, we, we, I mean, we talked about how the game against Chile maybe kind of felt like a loss, but they didn't lose in Canada. Yeah. Right. True. It's like, and I mean, and you know, as weird as that is to say, and it's like, I think the arrows obviously, you know, in 2019, um, the home like arrows home games, like the arrows went seven and one at home. Right. Like they're a tough, all, all the, like all the data that we have to go off of for the Toronto arrows at home is that they are a very difficult team to beat at home. Um, York Lions stadium, the new stadium um, looks like an unreal facility. I think that also kind of helps. So I think, I think there is a, a lot of reasons to suggest that Toronto will 
top the Eastern Conference. Their biggest competition is New York, who, as we kind of just went through, um, their roster is stacked too. Um, so it's, I think that's the top two, right? I think the top two is going to be Toronto and New York. Um, you can maybe fight on the order, but that's the top two. Um, and then I think you have, I'm sorry, old glory on paper team in, in the East. Um, but then I think you're going to have rugby ATL, NOLA and new England battling for that last spot. So I don't think there's that big of a gap between those teams. That- All right, but if you have to pick one team that's going third, who is it? You know, I was going to say rugby ATL, but I don't like they just they got some bad mojo going into this season. That's not an analytical response. It's just bad mojo going in. I don't know. I don't like it. So I'm, I'm going to say NOLA. I'll say Toronto, Toronto, New York, NOLA. And then uh, again, though, same thing. If rugby ATL makes it, much like Utah, I'm not going to be surprised at all. To me, I'm pretty much the same. I think it's going to be Toronto yeah. um, and then New York and then NOLA. Because, yeah, I was saying like ATL just yeah. bad, bad vibes thing. coming from them. Yeah, it's like, nothing analytical and, about rugby ATL. It's just, yeah, like you just said, bad vibes. I don't yeah. I don't like and, it. And I think that, you know, NOLA have been knocking on the door for of the playoffs ever since their inception and they i feel like they've finally decided like this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back this is going to be the thing that breaks us into the playoffs or it's going to be the thing that puts them in sixth position i don't know but we shall see okay we're gonna end the podcast with some predictions okay derek so i'm gonna say the games that are playing and i just want you you don't have to give me any anal- analysis. Don't have to give me any insights. Right. I just want to hear a team name. Who is going to win these games? You so first up, we have ATL versus DC. Ah, it's just nice to be back doing these predictions. MLR, it's back. Um, ATL, DC. Uh, what do we got here? ATL is at home. Yep, we'll go with ATL rugby. ATL, even though we just said we don't like the uh, the mojo going into the year. Okay, I'm gonna go different. I'm gonna say DC. That's actually a nice now, pick. That's a nice okay. Pick. And now we return to the Toonie. So now he may even made a few uh yeah interesting choices in the preseason, but now it is all on the marbles. So we have head for home, tails for away, ATL versus DC. The Toonie is going with DC. Nice. Nice. Okay. I feel like DC would be like, I don't know. We'll see when cool bet puts out their odds. I feel like DC would be a good bet. All right. Okay. So next up we have the first edition of the 2022 Texas cup. It is Austin versus Dallas. And I am going to go with Austin. So Derek, are you going to pick the same or are you going to pick Dallas? No, I mean, I'm sorry. I think Dallas is going to struggle all year. So I think I'm going Austin. Okay. All right. So what does the Toonie say? The Toonie says they're going with the new boys. They're going with Dallas. Ooh. Okay. So now we have the Titans of Houston versus the Minows of LA. Wait, did I get that right? Anyway, um, Derek, who are you having? This is honestly probably the most fascinating week one game because like I said earlier, no one knows what Houston's going to look like. But I mean, how do you not pick LA? Yeah, you have to pick LA. But I'm yeah, either, I think, 
I'm very fascinated by this game. This will be very interesting, I think. Okay. And the Tony. It'll be a 30 point win by LA. All right. Ooh. It doesn't. I try that again. It doesn't count if you drop the Tooney. Uh, the Tooney has selected Houston. Cool. So, the is making some bold picks out the gate here. I like it. Uh, well, you know, maybe the one from preseason is continuing. Okay, but the Tooney now can select Nola versus New England. And the Tooney goes for New England. Oh wow! All uh, right, I'm I'm gonna go with Nola. I think yeah, I'm gonna the... go. Nola's good at home too. I'm going. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Nola. The Toonie is having a week right now, though. Okay, <laughs> so now we have another all Western game. We have San Diego versus Utah. What Derek, a... who are you going with? See what a game based on the conversation we just had. So I guess I'll say San Diego to uh, not backtrack on earlier comments about them edging out Utah in the playoffs. So let's get, a, get San Diego off to a start here. You know what? I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to say Utah. I'm just going to have like, you know, just to be different, just because we've had like the last three games of what we've both picked the same. So, I, you know, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to pick Utah. Yeah, one of us and, has to be dumb. Okay. And the Toonie is going for the visitors. It's going for Utah as well. The Toonie has picked the exact opposite of me. So that that does not bode based on last year's results. This does not bode well for me. All right, okay. And the final game of the weekend is Seattle versus Toronto. Now I'm picking Toronto. Derek, are you picking Toronto? Or are you picking Seattle? Hey, Toronto by fifteen. Mm, I'll even put a score on this one. Oh well, if you want to put the score on the hey, there we go. Just plus fifteen for Toronto. I'm just saying Toronto. And the Toonie, and this is going to be the decision of if the Toonie is around next week or not. The Toonie picks Seattle. Wow. So I, Traitor. I was Traitor. Say, either I am having a great week or the Toonie is going to have a great week. You're well, last, all, what one, one week last year, the Toonie did go 5 and 0. Oh, so uh, I was going to say, never the Toonie know. had a couple perfect weeks last year, and I was embarrassed. So if the team right. is a perfect week this year, this is a bad or this week, this is a bad start for me. I don't know. All right. Okay. What's so we're going to start for the Toonie. We'll see what happens. Or we go right. we're... three and three. All right. We're going to wrap the podcast up there. If you are looking to watch any rugby this week, we have all the places for you to watch it. So, of course, we've been talking about the MLR. That will be available on the Rugby Network. And if you're looking for the Arrows versus Seattle fixture this Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern time, you can find it on TSN. That's either TSN, TSN.ca, or the TSN app. Also on the Rugby Network is Japan League One. There is the Premiership and the URC on Sportsnet. And the Six Nations begins this coming weekend, which will be on the zone. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. If you enjoyed this one, you can find more episodes on Anchor FM and all podcast-relating sites. Uh, you can find us on social media at La Rouge Rugby, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, which we do have all our podcasts available on as well, you can see our, our handles for social media. But if they're listening, Derek, where can they find you? At Percept the Jet across every single social media platform. 
And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We look forward to you joining us for the next one.